0: All right, right off the bat as soon as Jesus gets baptized goes into the wilderness and defeats Satan he gets right down to business and if you if you look there we'll start in mark chapter one he's going to face off with devils and with diseases all right so uh, looking just at verse 21 22 and 23 we start off here and then I'm going to show you some some words and their meanings so we set the Set the stage for what we're about to learn. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he, Jesus, entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were all astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe's. And there was in that synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried, out. So there are five phrases or five words I want to talk about, important words that you need to know as we get into this, this, this portion of Scripture. The first one is a place called Capernaum. Now, I didn't put up a map there, uh, but Capernaum is right next to the Sea of Galilee. As, long as, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, it was right at the edge of the Sea of Galilee. There's a, uh, a section there um, where there are um, uh, there's fishing piers and things like this. The name Capernaum, do you hear Capernaum? Nahum was a prophet in the Old Testament. It means the village of Nahum. So evidently, now Nahum was a a prophet after Jonah that went back to Nineveh and condemned it. Jonah gave him a chance. Uh, About a hundred and some odd years later, uh, Nahum goes up there and says, Chance over, and God's judgment came on Babylon. Capernaum was also the hometown of Jesus. If you notice there, they went into Capernaum. Now, when they go into Capernaum, this is, this is normal for Jesus. He's actually lived there for quite a while. Quite a while. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. But then he grew up in what town? Nazareth. But then he moved from Nazareth. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 verse 13. Matthew 4, 13, it says this. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt now where? In Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, and the borders of Zabulon and Naphtali. Why? Why would he move? Well, verse 14 says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zabulon and the land of Naphtali. those are two tribes, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people there which sat in darkness, saw great light in Jesus. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. So he now is living at Capernaum, and is also the the hometown of Peter and Andrew and many of the, the other apostles and disciples. So Capernaum is kind of the the the, the, the center spot where Jesus is doing his ministry. He always came back to Capernaum. Uh, Sabbath day. What day of the week is the Sabbath day? It is Saturday, or the seventh day. That day belongs to God. It is a day of rest, and it is for the worship of God. It is, however, a distinctly Jewish day. It's part of the Old Covenant, not part of the New Covenant. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 14. Can we go there real quick? Romans chapter 14. Now that we're in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, now that Christ died not just for the Jews, but for all Gentiles, and He makes uh, Jew and Gentile into one body called Christian, there are some things that were distinctly Jewish in the Old Testament that have been put aside. And that's part of it was the, uh, the keeping of the Sabbath. Romans chapter 14 and verse 5 says this, One man esteemeth one day above another. Well, that shouldn't sound bad, but it was. Look, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, whatever the day it is, maybe it's Tuesday, who cares? He that regardeth the day, regardeth it as a Christian unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, and he, and gi- for he giveth thanks, and he that eateth not... The Lord eateth not, and giveth God thanks. The, the, the principle is, a, a, a Christian does not have to celebrate or honor one day above another to be right with God. Uh, if we decided that we are going to have church on Thursday, it wouldn't matter. That's fine. Now, I don't think any problem with the first day of the week, because that's the example that's given to us in the Bible. On the first day of the week, they gathered together. There was preaching. They took up an offering um because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead so that's fine but if i ran into somebody who says we don't have church on sunday we have church on friday okay fine that's all right it's not the day of the week that makes it matters it's the person you're worshiping so the sabbath day so i do believe it's very wise to have one day where you do very little it's called a day of rest now my sabbath is guess what day it's monday okay I cannot take a day of rest on Saturday and be ready on Sunday. Just I've tried to get everything ready, so I do nothing on Saturday. Just I just can't get it all done. But Monday asks me how I'm doing. I go I'm fine because Monday is my slow day. I don't mean I do nothing, nothing. But there is there is there is a need for six days to do our labor and one day to do very little and rest. So Sabbath day, third word, synagogue. Who knows what the word synagogue means? Alright, it's not a temple because there were synagogues all over the area. As a matter of fact, there were synagogues up in Greece, there were synagogues in Asia. So somebody else? Somebody another thing? Hmm? Place of learning? Well, almost. It was a place of worship. It actually is a Hebrew word for assembly, just like the word churches, an assembly. It's a group. To have a synagogue, you had to have ten. Jewish men and their families who committed themselves to always gather there on the Sabbath day. So the synagogue uh, was a group of at least 10 men and their families uh, who would would set aside on Saturday the worship of God. Now Ezra started that. Ezra, you remember Ezra and Nehemiah. um, Ezra set out to make sure the Jews never backslid again and got back into idolatry because they had just come back from Babylonian captivity because of their idolatry. So Ezra started getting everybody focused on a weekly worship, and it was still going on here 500 years later, uh, about 400 years later, 450 years. So now notice the word back there in Mark, he uses a phrase. Mark says in uh, verse, uh, he went and he taught, verse 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine. You might want to take a guess at what doctrine means. Teaching, truth... Okay, explanations. Doctrine is a teaching of a truth, okay? But it's the old word for science. When when you teach doctrine, you're teaching truth. Doctrine, math teaches doctrine. Two plus two is four is a mathematical doctrine. So here when we talk about religion most people talk about oh that's in the religious section next to the self help section next to the philosophy section they talk about it like it's airy fairy well a lot of religions are like that but not the bible. So when Jesus taught the bible he taught it as truth and you need you need to understand that's the value of a church that that doesn't just teach but teaches the Bible as true. Everything in the Bible as true. Uh, So, uh, any chance you ever, any time you ever get a chance to teach something in the Bible, whether it's in children's church or at 12 Weeks to Freedom or at a men's meeting or whatever, if you ever get a chance to teach, teach with authority because it's as if you're teaching children two plus two is four. You wouldn't say, we hope. Would you? We're guessing that 2 plus 2 is 4. You could say as a teacher, 2 plus 2 is 4. No doubt, amen? And you should be able to speak from the Word of God and say, No doubt, this is true. So doctrine, and one last phrase, unclean spirit. He says, there, uh, Mark records that there was a man uh, with an unclean spirit who cries out. Now, an unsp- unclean spirit is a filthy spiritual creature inside of a person. That's not a good thing. You see, there's more to you than just mind and body. Go to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23. In verse 7, I believe. Proverbs 27 and verse 3. say did I say it wrong? Backwards. Uh, 23-7, thank you. 237. Mm Is that right? Perhaps 23 7. Um Well, all right. It, it doesn't it doesn't say what I'm looking for. No, 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 no. 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 Twenty-three seven is not what I'm wanting. Just, just notice it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I guess the point I can use from there is your heart, there's more to you than just flesh and bones. You have something inside of you that actually affects what's outside of you. So there's more to you than just body. And uh there's an outer man, which is your body, there's an inner man, which is your soul, and then there is a hidden man, which is your spirit. And that is where Jesus wants to dwell. Jesus does not live in your flesh. Uh, uh, Jesus lives in your spirit, and I'll talk about some of the things here. All right, so an unclean spirit means an unholy spirit, a filthy spirit. So I know when you were growing up, your mom called you unclean because you'd come in from playing around outside. But unclean means filthy. These are unholy spirit, And the Bible calls them devils. Did you ever notice that? D-E-V-I-L-S. Modern versions call it demons. Now, there's no real problem with calling them demons. Uh, demon is basically a trans, is, is a transliteration. It's uh, pronouncing the the, um, the Greek word demonios. But uh, uh, devils is how you got to understand. These are little bitty devils, and these are inside of people. Now, I want to show you something. Go to Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 19. In verse 31. Now watch these words. You ought to circle two words in here. Regard not them that have... What are the next two words? Familiar spirits. Neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. A familiar spirit is something that you're familiar with And you're communicating with, and I'll give you a quick, here, it's simple. When you go to a, don't go there, when somebody, (laughs) not you, goes to a palm reader or a tarot card reader or a fortune teller, and that fortune teller gets you to talk to some distant relative, a family member. And that familiar spirit, God says, don't even try to go there because that defiles you to ever mess with talking to the dead. Uh, I'll show you another spirit. Let's see if I can find one nearby. Numbers. Numbers chapter 5. Genesis Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers. There are not only unholy spirits, but there are also unholy attitudes. Look at Numbers 5 and verse 14. Talking about a husband and wife. The spirit of what? Wow, when a spirit of jealousy comes over you, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled, and she be defiled, or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, she be not defiled. they got to find out, is there a problem? Has she been stepping out on him? But that spirit of jealousy. Uh, Let's go to 1 John 4. 1 John, I have a whole selection here. I don't want to go through all of them. I just want to show you a sampling of unclean spirits in the Bible. While you're turning there, 1 John 4, There are satanic spirits. There are spirits of divination. Would you agree? There is the spirit of fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Who gives you the spirit of fear? Anxiety, panic attacks come from the devil. Uh, There is a haughty spirit. What does it say about a haughty spirit? Goeth before a fool. Spirit of disobedience and uh, spirit of heaviness. The spirit of whoredom and adultery. But here, look at 1 John 4, 3. And every spirit that conf- not just people, but spirit behind the people, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, that spirit is not of God. And this is that spirit of who? So there's a spirit, 1 John 4, 3, of the Antichrist, where have you ever heard that it should come? Well, guess what? It even now already is in the world. So there are, Plenty of, and, and, uh, plenty of unholy, unclean spirits. Now, back to Mark. <clears throat> now that we got that out of the way, let's look at what's, gonna hap- what's going on here in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Normally I take a whole 45 minutes and deal with just spirits, but we're just moving ahead here because Mark does. Uh, And by the way, aren't you glad there is a Holy Spirit? If we were left to ourselves, and I'm going to say this ahead of the the game, if your life is not filled with the Holy Spirit, it will end up filled with unholy spirits. Nature abhors a vacuum. If you put off walking with God, you will be filled with every unclean thought by nature. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Doesn't matter. The devil works on, especially Christians, So, uh, be filled with the Spirit is our command. Now, let's look at verse 21 and 22. Watch this again. He says, They went into Capernaum and straightway, there's that word again, immediately on the Sabbath day, He entered into the synagogue and He taught. And they were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as one that had authority and not as scribes. Evidently, Jesus doesn't go into Capernaum and instantly start doing miracles. doesn't start healing. What's the first thing that He does? He teaches. There is a priority There's a need for biblical teaching. He, as soon as the doors were open, when when, when you see the word straightway, it means that when it was time to be at the synagogue, guess where Jesus and his disciples were? At the synagogue. They weren't coming in late. They weren't dragging their feet saying, oh, I wish we could go watch the match. They were there. It was priority. Now, at times, the rabbi would allow other men to teach, and I'm all for that where here's Jesus, he's from the area, evidently he's got their respect, he's got their trust, and the rabbi would say, has anybody got something else? And Jesus says, I do, and he got right up and he opened up a scroll and began to teach them. You ought to be ready always to preach from the Bible. I mean, if I, I bet you right now, Gene's, Dean's kind of one of those guys that probably has and could put together a message pretty quick in his heart, and he maybe even has something in his Bible waiting for the time, and right? I said, Dean, I need a 10-minute message right now which I could preach. I bet you he'd say, I wish you'd give me more notice, but sure. That is the Bible says, be instant, ready when it's in season and when it's out of season, when it's easy and when it's hard. Be ready to preach. And Jesus got up there and he taught. And Jesus was allowed to teach. So he got up, opened up a scroll, and he began to teach. And I want you to notice he his teaching thoroughly impressed his audience. Why? spoke the truth. He spoke doctrine, it says. He didn't talk about airy-fairy. He didn't talk about global warming. He didn't talk about politics. He talked, thus saith the Lord. And if you go to a church, and you do, where it's Bible, 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 boring, 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 Bible, 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 say amen. Because I may every once in a while mention global warming, but that's not what we came to hear about. Amen. So those people in that synagogue, they loved what Jesus taught because he taught the Word of God. He made sense. Now, I can't always do that. Jesus is a perfect teacher. But Jesus, they were amazed because they said, I understood what he said. He taught with authority. They loved him because he taught with authority, and he was not like the scribes taught. Now, do you know how the scribes, what was a scribe? Anybody want to guess? Ever hear the phrase scribble? Not the Qur'an. (laughs) The Torah, good. So a scribe was a copy person, a copy machine, a human copy machine, dotting every I, crossing every T, looking at every letter as they made copies of the Hebrew Old Testament. Now, just because they knew words on a page did not mean they knew how to teach it. And so they were very mechanical, they were very dry, and in the end, they were wishy-washy. The scribes would get up and they go, we kind of think that this means this, and that goes here, and this here's a... And Jesus, when he talked, he talked like it was true, like it was practical, like it was real. And he loved it. Now, this is the point. Look at the priority of biblical teaching. Guess what happens when he gets up there and teaches? It thoroughly upsets the devils in the room. I sometimes... I don't know if I should say this. I probably won't. Uh, it, it, it thoroughly upsets the devil. Agitates them. When the truth is taught, preached, and believed, it upsets devils. Guess what else upsets the devil? The presence of Jesus. That's why I pray for Jesus to... It says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the myth. Why is that a blessing? Because the devil will not feel welcome. It will agitate any unclean spirit that may be brought in. And sometimes, I can tell you, I'm in church and I'm going, there's a spirit here and it's stopping the liberty of the Word of God. And it's just preach the truth, beg for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And There's one other thing, the very name of Jesus upsets the devil. I mean, wow, you've been in a bind, cry out to that name, which is of every name. Because that name upsets the devil because you're trusting, you know, when, when David was preparing to build a temple, guess what God said? God said, I can't live in there. You can't build me a temple. I don't live in temples. But you can put my name there. My name is all you need. So, the name, the presence, and the truth will upset the devil. Check your heart to see if that's not true. If there have been sometimes some of the best messages made me angry. <laughs> he's right (laughs) because there's a spirit inside that is arguing, fighting, resisting the truth and I'm going but he's right so now he's going to face the problem with this guy verse 23 it goes on there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying let us alone wow is that what you would want let us alone what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, Jesus, verse 25, He rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, and he cried with a loud voice, and he came out of him. So, I want you to get the idea. Jesus gets up, he's teaching along, the people are like, This is incredible. He's, I can understand him. He's making sense. It, 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 it's like it's true. But then a man cries out and says, Leave us alone! Wow. So there is sometimes, get it in your mind, that there's sometimes you have great church service. You don't know who's there. And, but but if, it, if it's anything like, like that day, and it is, there may be somebody right there who's so full of the devil that if they could cry out, they would cry out these very words, that you're upsetting me with your words. So he's inhabited by, now the Bible first calls it an unclean spirit. But it's not evident that he's possessed until the preaching and the teaching starts. That's when this guy starts crying out. So you have three reactions here. The demon's reaction is, number one, he begins to yell out, to cry out. He says in terror, leave us alone. Aren't you glad Jesus was a threat to them? Now, you and I are no threat. As a matter of fact, in Acts 17, uh, um, a man, maybe it's chapter 16, a man tries to use the name of Jesus to have some power over some guy who's demon-possessed. And the guy looks him and, says, and he says, uh, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command thee, get out of the man. And the demon-possessed man looks and him and says, You know, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And he gets up and he Wrestles the guy and beats the guy to an inch of his life and sends him out naked. <laughs> you and I do not terrorize Satan's uh, uh, minions, but Jesus does. And there was more than one demon in this man. Notice what he says. Go back there in verse twenty-four. Let us alone. What have we? to do. Art thou come to destroy us? Well, here's the truth. Um, uh, there's, there's more than one demon in this man, and there usually is. You know, would you not agree? Rarely is it just one problem in a marriage. Rarely is it just one problem in a relationship. Rarely when you're fired was it just for one reason. There's lots of background stuff. This guy doesn't realize he's inhabited with them. I like the fact that he exposes who Jesus really was. Now, I've had to ponder this, and I think, I think there's some great reasons, but think about it for a minute. Why does he say, I know who thou art. You're the Holy One of God. Why would he want the whole, everybody to know that when Jesus didn't want everybody to know that at this point? Why is he exposing? Right? But why is, why? Why? Okay, possibly. Could have distracted. What do you, Dean, did you have your head up? Good, good. But just get the idea. What did this demon possessed man, why do you need demons to tell the truth? First of all, because if some crazy person comes in and says, Amen to my preaching, is that a good thing or a bad thing? All right, that creates confusion. That's the first problem. But the second problem is that. Who said diversion? Somebody said to distraction. The distraction would have been that if Jesus claimed to be the Son of God a lot, it would freak out the Jews. How can God have a Son? All of a sudden, they would not hear another word he taught. So you're spot on. Okay? So these demons want to upset everybody. And then they say. He's here to destroy us. Well, um, yeah, but not yet. <laughs> so, um, Jesus' reaction. How does Jesus react? He gives two short commands. And I have to tell you, my dad was, was very, he used few words. How many you had a dad like that? Listen to the words that Jesus used here in verse 25. And Jesus rebuked him and said two things. Hold thy peace. What's another phrase for that? Shut up. I <laughs> didn't say shut up, but it's that strong. And come out of him. No. So Jesus has a reaction of just no more talking. Get out of him. And you know what? The demon did. It was it was it was just breathtaking to see. Simple. Come out and out. Um. Let me, let me rush through here. Um, then let's look at the unclean spirit's reaction. Four thoughts about how the unclean spirit reacted. Verse 26, when the unclean spirit had torn him. What would you, what would you think that looked like, Gavin? What do you think it looked like when this guy, the Bible says, uh, the unclean spirit tore him? What do you think it means? What, what, how would you describe that? Okay. What do you think, Paul? Yes. He's resisting. What, is, what does a guard say when, when he says, uh, you know, stop, put your hands up, and you resist arrest? All of a sudden, the guarda have to put more pressure on to try to apprehend the criminal. Well, this thing is resisting and can't resist. He's fighting. These, this demon or demons is fighting and resisting and putting up a fight. And the guy who's possessed with them is, is hurting for it. Okay? They make movies about stuff like this, folks. Because the Bible is true. They're just trying to copy it. It tore him. Um, so, it tore the man. I mean, the man's being just thrown around, thrashed around. The demons resisted coming out scream, do you hear, do you watch this? it? says, And he cried with a loud voice and he came out of him. But That's the best part. So he's screaming through it but in the end he had to obey. Aren't you glad that when Jesus speaks even the devils obey? Not only the wind and the waves obey but so does the devil. That's why, and I'll, I'll show you, I can't, I don't have time tonight you don't need a faith healer you need Jesus. Because if you just, if you rely on Him and walk with Him and get filled with the Spirit, you can resist the devil and He will flee from you. Okay? So, that was a short version of this thing. That's the unclean Spirit's reaction to the presence of Jesus. Now, this moves on to the fame of Jesus. In one moment, He's gone from a little group in a synagogue up in a small village next to the Sea of Galilee to a huge crowd. Look at verse 27. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this that we see? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So they see this guy get delivered. Verse 28. Immediately. There's that word again. His fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Um, So, here, the people's reaction was, they're amazed at this common-looking guy having such power. He spoke of authority, and he used, guess which, did he use the New Testament to rebuke the devils and defeat them, or did he use the Old Testament? All he had was the Old Testament. Don't ignore the Old Testament. It has all the power that we need. It's clearer in the New Testament to use the Old Testament to rebuke and defeat the demons. People, the people saw demons obey Jesus, and it spread. And they said, "I got to go watch it. I got to go see this. You got to see this. What Jesus can do." And I'm going to sneak in a little advertisement here. You are God's advertising board. You ought to be somebody that people ought to people say, I, "I I see what God done in your life. that, that attracts me to Jesus." So. Uh, Jesus now heals Simon Peter's wife's mother. Verse 29, And forthwith, what does forthwith mean? Following on, right afterward. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And Anon, meaning in time, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And there's that word again, immediately, it didn't take days, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. So after the service at the synagogue, all the disciples, I think this is cute, because I don't think Peter asked his wife to, uh, can I bring everybody over for lunch? <laughs> My wife would kill me if I just did that on a regular basis. Can you imagine Jesus saying, Peter, can we come to your house? I don't answer that. We're coming anyway. And then they all go down the road and they go into Peter's house. But guess who's not up and about? Peter's wife's mother. Does anybody hear something unique about that? Peter's married. Kind of an interesting pope there, huh? He wasn't the first pope. Uh, So Peter had a mother-in-law. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? With me, it's a good thing. I love my mother-in-law. But not every guy gets a good mother-in-law. But Peter had a good mother-in-law. So someone tells Jesus that she is sick and he went into a room. Can you imagine how embarrassed she must feel? She is laid out. There's there's 13 men in her house. And her daughter is busy trying to feed them as they're all sitting there starving. It's after lunch. I mean, it's afternoon. They're there for lunch. And she's sitting there, and she's, I don't know, moaning. She's very sick. And then Jesus comes into the room, freaky. I mean, this is how she feels. She's like, and I can imagine she's trying to get up. And Jesus reaches over and says, and takes her, look at what it says. um, Verse 31, he came into the room. He took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And from that moment, she got busy ministering Unto them. I just like the fact that Mark is just, is, is identifying with showing that when Jesus steps in the room, immediately something happens. That is what I need sometimes, where just pow, I need God to act, and He does. I like that word immediately in Mark here. So what does she get doing as soon as, by the way, what does she get doing as soon as she feels better? Looking at her. Isn't that a woman? A guy would go, Join the talk, you know, and go sit out on the back. But the woman, what a great! Thank God for some godly women who still work their tails off trying to minister to people when they don't deserve it, when they're just um, uh, ignoring all the other things and just want to eat. One more thing, one more point, and we're finished. More sick folk come out in the evening, verse thirty-two. And at even, this is still the evening of the Sabbath day. When the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the... Okay, so first of all, Peter's wife had to deal with 13 men. Now she's looking out at the entire city around her house. Verse 34, And he healed many that were sick. By the way, when the Bible says many, put in your mind the word so in front of it that... When the Bible uses the word many, we think it just means some. No, it means so many. And he healed so many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not, allowed not the devils to speak because they knew him. So Jesus takes all those that were diseased and possessed with devils so let me say something that most charismatics won't admit to, and that is a lot of sickness is related to demonic work in your life. You can, the stuff you watch, the stuff you think, the stuff you, you, you know, hold on to from your past is like, is like, um, uh, fuel for, for the devil to just, um, uh, uh, bring lots of sickness into your life. But they will not admit that there are times when people are affected by devils and they're sick and then they're just sick. So there's some, So I have been, before I got saved, and even after I got saved, I've been in churches where if someone was sick, guess what they said? Oh, the devil's really attacking you. No, bugs are. Viruses are. Okay? So I want you to understand, there are those who are diseased and there are those who are possessed with devil. They are different. So not everybody who's sick Oh, you're under the oppression of the devil. Not always. Okay? Here the whole city of Capernaum is outside Peter's door. And Jesus went out and he said, let's get to work. Isn't that good? I mean, I would lock the door and say, come away tomorrow. <laughs> but Jesus was always on duty. And um, uh, let me just finish. Concluding any questions. See if you paid attention. What is an unclean spirit? Raise your hand. Come on. An unholy, an ungodly, a filthy thought, a filthy spirit inside your head. Now that doesn't mean that they run your life and they control you, but they get in there and they say things that are not from God. So, um, uh, any unclean thought stop you, man, you go, where'd that thought come from? You have to just realize the devil's working on you. So, uh, um, name, one of the unclean spirits I told you about. Unholy spirits. Name me one. Okay. You can have an unholy spirit of jealousy where all of a sudden you just, you become, and really, in the Bible, he was so strong that a man would want to have his wife killed because he was so jealous of the fact that some guy was looking at her and he thinking that, oh, they've got a relationship. And he wants, he's so jealous and God says, we've got to deal with this thing so that he can't just go and kill her because the spirit of jealousy can destroy a marriage and a relationship. What other spirits? Divination? Divine spirits? Spirits where you're speaking to angels? Anything else? A spirit of envy? spirit of lust? Familiar spirits? Things that are dead? All right. What thoroughly upsets Devils. Three things. Do you remember? What are the three things that will thoroughly upset the devil in our church and in your home? Hmm? All right. Being exposed, maybe. The presence of Jesus upsets them because sometimes you can't tell. This man who was possessed did not look like he was possessed, didn't give any indication he was possessed until Jesus got up and started teaching. They were upset at the truth. He had not exposed them yet, had he? He had just began to teach the truth. So the truth will upset them, the presence of Jesus will upset them, and the name of Jesus will upset them. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Just to upset the devil. Uh, Name of proof that Peter was married. Well, he had a wife, yes. But here's the proof. He had a mother-in-law, amen. (laughs) That proves he was married. I actually, I have to tell you, not all priests have everything all up there. I I sat down with a priest one time at at the old Barney Park Hotel. I must have spent three, four hours with him there and then he came over to the house for another two hours and I showed him he couldn't believe that Peter was married and I showed him that verse. He says, well, it doesn't say he was married. I said, but he has a mother-in-law. That doesn't mean he was married. I'm looking at him going, have a mother-in-law means you're married. No, it doesn't. (laughs) He's fighting me all the way. Anyway, uh, that's the proof that he was married, okay? Number five. What two things did Jesus spend his time doing at the first? What was, what was important to be done, as we see right from the start? Teaching and healing. Let me tell you, let me just finish with this thought. He's teaching about the kingdom, and he's preparing the people for the kingdom. Remember Matthew chapter 5, all about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything was all there and then he's healing everybody. He's preparing them for the kingdom. Did the kingdom come? No. Not like they were expecting because they killed their king. So it kind of put it off for a little while. But guess what? The day will come where there will be no more disease. Where what Hebrews says, quoting from Jeremiah, no man will have to teach anymore more His neighbor. Every man, everybody will know the Lord. So Jesus was preparing the people for the kingdom, giving them the chance to say, I'm ready. But instead, they went, no. And they'll end up crucifying him. Great contrast. Aren't all good movies? Don't they surprise you? You think it's all going to go great, and then there's a twist. Well, that's in the Gospels.